0: What is up, guys? Today we are going inside the mind of the casting creative process. We are going to be talking to a session director and woof, Randall Sims, right after this.
1: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies.
0: What is up, guys? Welcome back to Millennial Hollywood, Season 1, Episode 8. You are the finale, I believe. Lucky 8. Welcome to my show, Millennial Hollywood. How are you today?
1: I'm really good. Thank you, Dakota, for inviting me to this. This is... Why we do this
0: Awesome that's exactly right that's awesome. Where can everyone find you on social media?
1: On social media the best place to find me I'm living in insta a lot these days at Progressive Wolf at Progressive Wolf. Mm-hmm. At Progressive Wolf. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at I am the Rand Man but I'm like a 46 year old Twitter person so <laughs> take that with what you will. Hey. I'm a more visually driven person as you'll find out in this interview and so Instagram is what I'm drawn to
0: Awesome same here I'm very visually. Driven and I love Instagram so much. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. You guys can find me everywhere at Mr Dakota T Jones. Um, so I want to talk about this. I, as an actor, have always wanted to get inside the mind of casting. Um, you're a session director. Mm-hmm. You run um, sessions of casting and you're able to see people and you also have, um, you know, obviously the director makes the final, final decision, but you have the hand, the creative hand to see people, cypher through them to see which ones you think fit best for the roles, which ones maybe not, which ones to call back in for other projects. You are like this creative force that helps
1: cast some of our favorite things. So what is that like? Well, thank you for that uh, glowing uh, endorsement. I don't know if I'm that great all the time. Most of the time I think I'm very uh, rigid and and OCD, which you'll find about session directors is we get about, and just to give you some insight into how the process works. So I worked for Francine Selkirk Casting for about seven years. I'm currently working with the cast station. Uh, I also work uh, at Silver Lane Casting. For the people that aren't in Hollywood, this means nothing to you, but uh, here it's kind of a big deal. Um, Francine cast all the, uh, the the State Farm ads you've liked. Mm. She's casted all those DirecTV ads. She's the one who discovered the uh, the guy on the horse, Muhammad, for Old Spice. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yes. So we've, create, we've helped create iconic commercials, if you will. And the process starts with uh, a director who uh, the casting director has the relationship with will send us their uh, treatment. Mm -hmm. And that treatment comes in and it's like, these are all the characters, this is the spot, this is the idea, we need you to find these types. And they usually give us visual and physical descriptions along with sort of esoteric, like we want them to be like Chris, uh, what's his, Chris Pratt. Mm -hmm. Or we want to be like uh, Ty Burrell. We'll get that kind of stuff a lot. And my job is really, I'm the conduit for you. Mm -hmm. I'm an actor. That's what I'm I'm saying that right now. I'm an actor. I'm a creator. Don't say I'm a casting person. Casting people are lovely, but they have to make decisions like Sophie's Choice, and I don't do that. I don't want to choose. I want to help. And so what most session directors do for you guys is we decipher the weird advertising Mm -hmm. speak and the weird director speak that isn't really creation. We speak in a creative language. They speak in more of an advertising language. And so I end up being sort of like that Native American guide who can speak English, but also Arapaho or Cheyenne. And I can speak to the native people, you guys, and help you understand this craziness. And then I will speak to them in their language and help them understand this is why I'm doing this. But for the most part, what I try to do is help you guys differentiate yourself in such a way to get a callback. If you get a callback, that's me doing my job. Right. Because you're already the right look. You're already the right energy. You're already the right thing that they're looking for. They just want to see that you can do something with a spark or interest, and that's what I'm there for. And so I'll give you a basic diagram of what they want in the spot, and then I'll let you perform it, your imagination, your idea, because you matter just as much as – as anybody, um, you're the bravest person in the room. I always tell you guys this. You're the only ones that have something pointing at you uh, and being shot. Right. <laughs> so just know you're the bravest person in the process. And if anybody tells you that you're not, they're basically liars or they are people that wish they could be where you are because this is not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a big target on your chest. And so with that comes responsibility and also uh, thoughtfulness. And I've done this for 20 years acting. I've done session, re- session directing for probably 15 years Over 100,000 auditions I've probably directed, probably over 500 callbacks that I've I've run. And I'm really just sort of the guy that makes sure everything doesn't fall apart. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not... I mean, you say just the guy. Like, this is...
0: It's serious business. Like, there's a lot on your shoulders because you are having to speak to the director and the network and everything, and also the actors, and you're like probably have a lot of stress on you because you're thinking, okay, I need to make sure that I please these people, but at the same time, I want to make sure that these actors are, you know, being well represented and that they they bring what the director's wanting, but also you're kind of the creative force as well. So you're kind of having to, like, okay, do you always stick to whatever the director and everyone <laughs> wants, or do you sometimes have a little bit of rebellion and kind of like Go with maybe the person who you believe in who's a little bit different but you think that
1: they could bring more to the spot than someone else. Gosh, I wish I could say I do that a lot. I don't. <laughs> um, just because you can't really go outside the lines too much in the business. But if I have a good relationship with the director, if I have a good relationship and trust with the ad agency and the, and the client, like I used to have with Little Caesars and um, – other certain esoteric kind of companies um, the directors would trust me because they know I know them they know I know what they like and what they want and sometimes the casting director wants to influence with their own idea of things and I usually let them make that mistake <laughs> and get, get scolded and what I try to do is I give the take that the director says he wants the best I can and then I say why don't you create what you want so I don't make it my decision I don't, I don't put it on me mm-hmm. to go outside the lines I put it on you which is best to deflect uh, a blame, and then you can accept all the brilliance (laughs) later. But what I really do, and it's it's, it's, it's allowed, is here. This is you doing what they want because this is their limited one-person imagination. But there are billions of perspectives on something, and to limit it to just what one person thinks I think is, (laughs) at worst... A waste of time mm-hmm. but it's also like you're missing so many potential opportunities for creativity i know that when mustafa came in for old spice i didn't run that session but i know when he came in for old spice he just was the guy yeah he didn't go by the rules he went by mustafa's rules yeah and you have to and realize brilliant that, at it yeah so. and a lot of these directors want that they want the cool guy they want the guy or the girl that's going to be like i i'm not going to do it your way but i'm going to make it even better than what you thought because i'm a creator i'm an artist some like that. Some are just order takers. They're just the guy for p and G. P and g for you guys who don't know is Procter & Gamble, and that's kind of what we – the word we use for corporate mm-hmm. um, commercials, and corporate commercials are pretty much surgical. You have to – you have a certain thing you have to meet. There are certain numbers and, and quotas, literal, that I'm not going to go into right now because I don't want to be the guy that steps into that mess. But um, you've heard about them in the past where you're trying to please as many different Groups as you can yeah. with selling, you know, a sugar water, for instance, <laughs> right? So it's it's silly at times, but at the same time, you also have to be aware of it because you work for the casting director, who works for the director, who works for the production company, and that works for the ad agency, which then ultimately works for the client. So you see the food chain. Um, you and me are at the near the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So with us being near the bottom, we got to be careful and vigilant because we're the first to potentially be at risk. Right. And so I try to protect you, you try to protect me, and you usually end up being brilliant and making money.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think that that's the cool thing about it is I feel like there's this stigma where casting and actors, they, it's like this awkward relationship where actors want to just be like, oh, whatever you want. And sometimes I think that they get caught up in being scared or timid going into the audition where they end up blowing their shot because... They think you guys are just sitting there judging them. And in a sense, you're not judging them. You're just trying to find what's best for the spot. Right. And so, like, yes, you have your own predetermined ideas and things you're looking for. But at the same time, as us as actors, we, when we're going into an audition, we need to just be ourselves, have fun, show the creative um, thing that we're trying to show. And then that there will speak for itself. And then at the end of the day, everyone's happy. And it's not like we're working against each other. We're trying to work together to find whoever's best for the ad or the commercial or wherever it is
1: well you just nailed it on the head something i talk about a lot in my classes and when i speak to groups and people is fear Mm -hmm. fear pretty much limits everything we do as humans not just as actors we don't make decisions because we're afraid scarcity we're always like there's not enough work there's not enough this there's not enough that and i do a lot of work with wolves as you you kind of teased yes One of the things I've learned from wolves, and we'll talk about them in more detail later, but one of the things I've learned from wolves is just to be. A wolf doesn't speak any language other than a howl, a growl, a bark. Most of what they communicate is visual. Most of what they communicate is with their eyes, is with their posture. It's with their body because they don't know how to talk. And so they don't think of that as a limitation. Mm -hmm. Um, They aren't afraid of not being what you want them to be. And so I tell actors, be a wolf. Walk into the room, be a wolf. When I walk into the room, I don't care what they think. I really don't. And I don't care what they think after I left because ultimately my value is not based upon what some guy behind a laptop thinks <laughs> as I come in for a Budweiser commercial. I just, And that just comes with time and wisdom and age and experience. And that's what I try to teach you guys. This is just me. I was you 20 years ago. I was the scared kid in Atlanta when I started out and didn't know what I was doing, made a lot of mistakes, fell on my face. But it's up to people like me and people that come like you in the future to go, hey, man, I know it's hard. <laughs> I'm here to help you. Uh, listen to me, please. Respect me, please, because I don't have to care about you, mm-hmm. um, which I tell people all the time. I, I get five to seven minutes with you. I will make it the most important five to seven minutes I can. Mm-hmm. But if you disrespect me or don't listen, it'll be a very brief and very forgettable five to seven minutes yeah. for me.
0: Five to seven minutes. That's That's like a long time. Right. Um, like how many people do you usually call in for a certain role then?
1: It depends if it's dialogue. If it's a lot of dialogue, it's usually I'll get between seven and ten minutes per actor. Wow. If it's just visual, if it's just a quick little read, I might get five minutes. I might get two people every five minutes. I might get two people every seven and a half minutes. It just depends on what the spot is. And, you know, sometimes we'll do non-union. And non-union, there's nothing wrong with being non-union. We all started out not in a union. Mm -hmm. Just so you guys know, it wasn't like, you know, Tom Cruise in the womb was given his SAG card. <laughs> right. He had to be born and had to live life for many, many years before he ever heard of what a SAG card was. Huh? So um, it's not about whether you're union or not. It's about being interesting, it's mm-hmm. about being authentic. And so when you come into the room, whether you have one audition under your belt or 10,000 auditions under your belt, it's got to be the first time. Yeah. You got to be present, you got to be. Otherwise, you bring all that nonsense in with you from 20 years ago. And just like a wolf. When you bring all your nonsense into an enclosure with a wolf, it doesn't want to deal with your ex-wife and your alcoholism and your, you know, your debt problems. It doesn't want to deal with any of that. It wants you to be authentically there with them at that moment. And as a director in commercials and session directing, I want you to be authentic. I want you to be real. I can make you do anything once you're authentic and real. Right. Just just so you're clear. There's a pro, there's a process called mastery and I'm, the author is escaping me right now. I think it's Robert Greene, but I could be wrong. But Basically, his, uh, his he postulates in his theorem that if you've done something for 50,000 minutes at a high level, you achieve mastery. Mm-hmm. Well, I've done this for definitely more than 50,000 minutes, probably in, in the range of anywhere between 250,000 and 300,000 minutes. And it doesn't mean I'm brighter or more intelligent. It just means I've just been focusing on something. You know, A guy that is a shoemaker or Mm -hmm. a a chemist or something. You just spend a lot of time with something. You're going to get really good at it, whether you're intelligent or whether you're not. If you're intelligent, you'll probably advance it a lot farther. But even if you're just average intelligence, you'll still be a master, which is why we used to have master builders and master carvers and master blacksmiths and all that kind of stuff. Same thing. I've done this so long that I can watch a performance and fix it instantaneously, but it only comes if you listen. Right. You have to be real. You have to listen. You have to be present
0: in the moment because I think a lot of actors will come in with their own agenda and they'll be like, hi, and then you'll be telling them what you want them to do and they're going to be like – they're thinking, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, uh-huh, I got it, got it, got it. And, yeah. then, and then they give their performance and it's like, wait a minute, that's not what I asked for at all.
1: It's so much, it's so much ego. Yeah. Um, we're taught in this town and in New York and in other places uh, – probably started in London to be honest – that ego is all, mm-hmm. and that lead with your ego and don't care what they say and be a, and I love this thing, be a lone wolf. You know what happens to a lone wolf in real life? <laughs> they don't make they it. die pretty quick. <laughs> they do. Uh, Rudyard Kipling wrote in his poem that was part of the intro into Jungle Book, uh, uh, the power of the pack is the wolf and the power of the wolf is the pack. You can't do anything by yourself. Mm-hmm. If you think you got to this spot right here by yourself, you know. I know you don't think that, but anybody that does... In very rare situations, maybe they did that. Um, I don't know many people that get somewhere without any assistance, right? <laughs> um, outside of being a you know a cage fighter, um, and still then you got to someone's got to teach you how to fight, right? Um, so you, you have to listen and be and be thankful and uh, and to know that what I'm saying to you is not judging you. So many actors feel like I'm judging them or feel like I'm tearing them down or feel like I don't like them. And it's like, no, I don't like you. I don't know you. <laughs> right. I, I, I might get to know you and like you. And I, over the seven or eight years in L.A., I've become really good close friends with a lot of actors who I've directed. But it came from an initial kernel of trust. There's a system I teach called consumption, and it's an inverted triangle like this. And at the top two corners are honesty, trust. Let me put my hands on the right. Honesty, trust. <laughs> and down here is putting others first. Now, I know that sounds simple. It sounds like something a child would read out of a Bible. But there's a lot of simple things that we read that we don't get, like, be nice to each other and don't steal and mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't covet and all those things that are, that are in various different religious axioms to help us be better people. But it's true in acting. If you're honest with your acting partner, if you trust them and they trust you and they're honest with you, and you put them first and they put you first – you're going to achieve success in this business. I've seen it a million times. And right. so listen, trust, be be open, and know that I'm never going to hurt you. I'm never going to let anything bad happen to you. I'm a protective wolf. You know, I've spent many years where people didn't protect me as an actor, protect me as a person in general in my own personal life. And it's made me a very protective person of mostly young actors. You're 60 years old coming in there with your attitude and wanting to bitch at me. I'm not going to really give a whole lot of whatever because, yeah. you know, man – I get the struggle, but don't bring in your anger. Yeah, And young people tend to just come in with much more enthusiasm and joy and belief and hope, and not that older people don't. I know a lot of great older actors that just astound me with their youthful energy and vigor, and I think that I kind of communicate a youthful energy for my age, and I think that is critical to be good at this business is you have to always be like, I need to listen. I'm going to learn from you today. I go in and the session director is 20 years younger than me, and I'm like, what can you teach me today? Mm-hmm. And when you come in with that attitude, as an actor and as a session director, and I look at you and go dakota you 're probably going to teach me something today so let 's let 's create together it 's a co creation process right. and you 'll teach me something and i 'll teach you something and usually it 's about eighty twenty yeah, but that twenty is vital, yeah, and never think that you 're not important or that you don 't contribute to the process,
0: and even if you don 't get the part right if you walk out of that room and you have done that and you've created something or you 've You've had a real moment. That's successful in itself. Maybe you weren't right for the spot, but you made the most of that time that you had together, and
1: it was successful. I don't think I've ever run a session where I've cast you in anything. Yeah. But I know you're going to be in my life forever, and I know I've run sessions where I've directed you. And so what's more important to me, having a creative light like you in my life forever or helping some selfish person get a gig? Right. Because at the end of the day, you can see through. And I was talking about this with Judy Kane um,
0: last week or two weeks ago on my show. She was saying that, you know, the, the worst thing to come into a room with is need. And it's so <laughs> easy to see someone coming in with with has having predetermined things like, I need this. I, I really need this. Like trying to be fake almost to get the role. But That's like a whole other story in itself. But I do want to get into this photo um, of the clown because yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, is this a photo where – When people are coming in to audition for something that's very like a character role or something that they have to go all out for this, for something like this, yes, I would see why you would need to be in this attire and makeup because it's a visual and you're seeing what the character might need. But in commercials in general, do you like it whenever people come in with props and or costumes or alluding to the fact that they might be a cop if they're in like a button-up blue shirt with jeans or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Like, is that something you... Encourage or would you rather them come in a clean slate and you can add everything in later?
1: Uh, I give the analogy and I give a lot of great analogies. I don't know where they come from, but I guess it's just my m- vivid mind. Um, I would say in those situations, treat it more like Tabasco and less like ketchup. Mm-hmm. You know, when you put Tabasco on something, you don't lather it on there because it'll kill you. Right. <laughs> um, ketchup, you do. You lather it on because you love the taste. It's salty and it's kind of sweet and it makes everything taste great. But it's a little much, mm-hmm. you know? When you see a big plate of ketchup, you're like, whoa. You're like, that's too much. That's a lot of ketchup. That's a lot of ketchup right there.
0: That is a lot of ketchup.
1: That's a lot of ketchup. <laughs> um, and I don't think he booked it, um, mostly because he was trying too hard. Uh, I love that he tried so hard. You have to push envelopes like he did that day in order to know where the edge is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done auditions where I came in. I auditioned for this Tears of the Sun movie with Bruce Willis 15 years ago. And I came in in full, like... It was a military movie set where they're like Navy SEALs going behind the lines. And I'm in like all fatigues. I got like <laughs> makeup on my like – my face is black pretty much, like blackface. Oh I, like I look like look like an idiot. And I didn't get the role. But what I, what it taught me was, yeah, I love your enthusiasm and passion, Randall. But maybe just let them see you first and let the makeup and hair people do all their right. stuff. Um, and that's what I tend to tell actors is there are technicians that will make you look like whatever they want you to look right. like. now. If the director said specifically come in and look like an over the top clown, then yeah, you better come in and look like go. an over the top clown, but there's an over the top clown and then there's a what the you know right. that's that's the <laughs> yeah. what the reach there the one who came in and got it was just a simple clown, he just had white face with like a tear, and his acting got that's him the, the role thing. The, the acting got you the role, not. You can look like whatever you want to look like. And I tell people all the time, you can be a six-foot, five-inch five inch Amazon with a southern accent and muscles like you know Hulk Hogan. But if you can't act, you're just sort of a strange visual. And that's great. But we can get strange visuals from many things, mm-hmm. animals, trees, rocks. <laughs> um, but we can't get a performance that shows consciousness and shows sort of a, a spark. Right. And that's what you are. You're that spark. And I'm referring to you because you represent actors to me in this situation, not that I'm trying to just say that Dakota is the greatest actor ever, right. although he's in the top 10%. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, when I say you, I mean everyone. Right. Uh, and I, I didn't, I wasn't like this starting out. When I first started out, I was sort of the typical session director, impatient, addicted to caffeine and sugar, processed foods, um, alcohol, and I was really good at what I did, but I came from a place of anger. Mm-hmm. When you come from a place of anger, you get results, but you don't get... Loving results. Yeah. You get angry results. The pyramids were built out of anger. They're amazing, but yeah, they're not as looked at as, as lovingly as things that are created with love, mm-hmm. such as uh, the David or as um, Leonardo da Vinci's, you know, masterpieces. They come from love, they don't come from anger. And when mm-hmm. things are created from anger, you get kind of bad. And so I try to teach with love now, and I try to teach you guys that it's an experience and don't. The one thing I want to teach you guys is it's just an audition. It's not you. I had an eight-year-old come in one time at the end of the day of a callback, and he did a wonderful job. He's African-American kid, just a delightful human being. Loved him. I gave him a hug at the end. And then at the end, he kind of hung around, and he's like, do you know if I got it or not? I need to tell my mom because Aww. you know we may not be able to eat. And then I said, brother, oh stop gosh. right there. And I just talked to him, and then I sent Francine to talk to the mom. I'm sure that conversation was a lot less positive than my conversation with the little man was. But I told him, I was like, you know what, man? You're going to be fine. You're not going to – nothing that you need or nothing that matters to you is based upon your ability to act. Nothing that you do is based upon your ability to book a gig. Nothing about you that's valuable or, or good or wonderful or amazing and awesome is based upon you booking a gig. You want to know how some people book gigs? I've been in castings where they're like, uh, we need an Asian mom, and there's a big stack of pictures on the floor that they've thrown down because they hate everyone, and they'll just kind of, uh, yeah, she didn't annoy me. Wow. That's how she booked the gig. Now, I hope she celebrated it like she you know, did the performance of a lifetime, and I hope she knows that that's how she should treat it, because she did earn that, because all the other times that she killed it, that didn't get the gig, this was the karmic reward for, yeah... Keep persevering, and sometimes you'll just be that random piece of paper they choose. Yeah. Because you're good, and because you try hard, and because you're a decent person. Mm -hmm. Because I promise you, no one remembers anybody that did a commercial 40 years ago. No one remembers that unless you look it up on YouTube, and we still know the actor is. We just know it's a weird commercial. (laughs) So don't think it's that important. It is important, but not as important as your safety, as your well-being, as Mm -hmm. your mental status As your family love, as your animal love, as your earth love, all that stuff comes before. And when you leave the room, leave it in the room, man. Because you carry it around with you, and it's like carrying around a safe. And every time you come in the room, I got to unload that safe for you. Mm -hmm. And that takes four minutes. Then I got three minutes to help you. And then I got to help you load that safe back on your back because you know you're going to take it with you because you're not leaving it with me. So, <laughs> definitely, so leave that safe, let it go, yeah, I think it 's crazy because um, I kind of want to get into callbacks
0: now, but, but that 's a whole other thing in Hell. itself, but but seeing people come in it is kind of almost emotionally tolling on you because sometimes you can see the emotion behind their eyes or or the want or sometimes the need of different people and at the end of the day it almost has
1: to take somewhat of a toll on you. I did a recent casting once and I'm not going to talk about the product or anything but the actors came in and they were constantly talking about their physical appearance and tearing their physical appearance down and after two days of that I was like, enough! You're enough! You wouldn't be here if you weren't attractive. Right. (laughs) I wouldn't let you in the room putting you on camera. I wouldn't put you in that embarrassing situation so stop. And then of course my agent or they tell their agents that I yelled at them. (laughs) And then I get a call from a casting director going, Why'd you yell these actors? And I'm like, I can't win. You know, I try to empathize and love, and then I get this back at me, and I just go, It's fear. It's, mm-hmm. I have to have empathy for you, for young, specifically young women. Um, young women in this town are just brutalized. They are. Um, if you're not making it by the time you're 23, you're old. And that's just, this isn't tennis, guys. This is, you know, you can act forever, just so you know. Morgan Freeman didn't make it until after he was 50, and now he's been in a billion movies so Mm -hmm. there's time you can make up time for it sometimes you're not interesting when you're 23 years old
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean to be honest
1: how many 23 year olds are that interesting really so give yourself a break you know it's a struggle it's a journey not everybody gets to be johnny depp not everybody gets to be heath ledger but then again that was a powerful toll that took on that young man Mm -hmm. he was just like you he's just a human just a kid from australia that wanted to tell stories and you got caught up in this ego vacuum and this power thing and this image and be what we want you to be and and it just consumes you. And one thing I want to tell you is man <laughs> acting's only been around for a few hundred years, you know? We've been humans for over 100,000, yeah. <laughs> so you know, respect the experience but also know that it's just a brief period of time and don't make it so serious. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And then going into
0: callbacks, right. this is a whole other thing. Um, I do want to say, in callbacks, who
1: usually attends? Uh, early on in my career, it was everybody. You'd mm-hmm. be in a room with 30 people. It was like a Grateful Dead concert. Um, <laughs> but now it's more, you know, the director usually has to be there. I, I almost have to have a director there because otherwise i got to do all the talking and I don't want that on my neck. And produ- producer for the director, who's very important. She's the pro- real producer. Then there's an agency producer. That's from the ad agency. They're sort of the conduit with the producer, but they're sort of in charge of making sure that the ad agency's butt is covered. Then you have creatives. Usually what happens, you have a copywriter and you have a creative. Somebody writes, somebody has a vision. The big daddy creative director or the big mama creative director is usually in New York or wherever they're headquartered. A lot of great stuff's happening in San Francisco. A lot of great stuff's happening in Seattle, Dallas, Chicago, Atlanta, Miami, Uh, but New York is still, you know, Mad Men, clarion call. When you think of advertising, we don't think of Des Moines. Mm -hmm. Um, And the creatives will be in the room, and they're mostly silent, but they do speak up. Um, And they're really just that process. And what happens is in a room, let's say, there's a couch in front of us right here, just so you guys know. Uh, The director usually sits next to me or close to me. The pro- agency producer usually sits as far away from the director as possible because they usually have a really intense relationship that requires them to have distance, almost like magnets with the same charge. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the creatives. You can have the creative director there, the big daddy, sometimes it just depends on the if it's, you know, if it's a Fortune 500 company and it's a $25 million campaign, they're going to be there. Mm. Um, but usually if it's not that big and it's sort of just a typical spot, they will have young creatives come in and they'll do all the work and then they make their choices and send the choices up to mom and dad in New York and mom and dad give their notes and then we present that to the actual client and they have a discussion. But in the room itself, the most important person, I'm not saying this because I'm self centered, is me, only because I'm the only person that cares about you. So when you walk into any callback room, latch onto that uh, session director like it's the only person that's from your country and you're entering a strange land. <laughs> So I speak your language and welcome to Uzbekistan, you know, and I can help you get through these people, but I understand their language and I understand sometimes their sentimentalities and we're not friends. It looks like we're friends, looks like we're having fun, but we're not friends. It's a business. I'm your friend.
0: I like that. I really, really like that. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that, but it makes sense and I like the fact that you are there to care, and not only that, but you're, you're there to, to help bring something out, a creative force out of the actor, and somewhat, you know, make them feel a little bit comfortable, because it is scary coming into a situation where there's all these people, and the fact that you're there to be like, hey, I speak your language, it's okay, like, open up to me, and we'll make this a successful
1: thing. Right, and I want to clarify this. The casting director's almost always in the room, too, and Francine was very hands-on, for instance, and she... You know, a lot of you work seven years with someone. It feels like eighty years in this business, and we definitely had our our differences and and we had clashes. But that's what greatness comes from. Tell me any great band that didn't hate each other at the end. Yeah, um, the Eagles broke up and they got back together again. The Stones literally would throw things at each other. I'm pretty sure the Beatles at the end weren't talking to each other. And so, you know, Francine and I for a while had a good ride. I was her number one, and for about five to six years, she was casting everything amazing, six or seven Super Bowl ads, and she was the person who said the actor matters care about them don't they're not some person you discard and it comes from personal experience she was an actor in new york and when she moved to la and her story is amazing and if you don't know francine if you don't know her story go look her up francine selkirk on uh, anywhere amazing story self-made in many ways you know moved here from new york uh started over from PA all the way up to a a producer for ad agency or for production, actually it was a production uh, conduit. And she worked with some of the biggest directors and biggest people in in the industry. And then she went into casting and had to start from the ground up like everybody. And so for her to be able to build two or three amazing careers from the ground up is just a testament to her creativity, her imagination, her strength. But she was the force behind why the callback works. Always know that the casting director sets the tone. And they have to enforce their will, and I've seen her enforce her will on big-time directors and big-time ad agencies because it's her neck and it's those actors' neck. So, Francine, it's good that we're in separate rooms right now, but it's also awesome that you loved me and I loved you and you created great work. And so you should take anything you hear about Francine Selkirk, take the class, don't ask questions. You will learn things that you will never learn even from me. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you still work with her? I don't. It's kind of like when you graduate high school. You don't really go back to high school and mm-hmm. hang out because you're 30. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's weird. You end up being sort of uh, the, the Matthew McConaughey and uh, dazed and confused guy. But we have a professional relationship. She still calls me in as an actor. We talk to each other. It's more like that was great. We did that. Now we've moved on to the thing. She's still continuing her business, and I'm going into the areas where, you know, as we'll talk about later, my work with wolves as well as my work with actors. And it's just – it was a great – evolutionary change yeah and i'm forever thankful to her and she's one of the best people in this business we're all human we're all flawed we're not perfect we're all difficult to get along with at times but as people go she's a pretty great person
0: that's awesome um i do want to talk about what's going on in this photo here uh this is after you said a grueling three-day callback yeah
1: this was i won't mention the client and i won't mention any specific names but this is what typically happens is and whether it's on the floor, or on a table, or on a wall, it just depends on how people are are spatially oriented. These were mm-hmm. young kids doing an ad that's very music and and very modern and very visual, and they put it up on the wall. And this is them just kind of going through their process. And I don't really contribute to this process because I don't want to contribute to the Sophie's choice, but I do give impact in the sense of energy. I do playback for them. I try to find the best clips that I can for you guys so that you're putting the best possible framing um and after that review process they just kind of mull it over it's not a very clean process sometimes they're in love with you when the day started and by the end of the day they hate you and then they fall in love with you again by three o'clock in the morning because they're like yeah man why are we even so hard on this guy
0: that's so so it's
1: a very messy process most people don't know exactly what they're doing Um, and that's great because that's what life mostly is you as an actor just you as a person You know, you go around your life, and you're like, man, I am totally confused most of the time, and I'm scared, and I don't know what's going on. Yeah, they're the same way, and they work in a business where they get yelled at by really scary people sometimes. And so you have to have empathy for these guys. They're not always monsters. Yeah. They're bigger monsters. Judy talks about how, you know, it's like this... The circle of life type
0: of thing, and it just so happens to end with us as actors. So it's like they're dealing with people yelling at them who are way up here. Then there's you guys, and then you guys are trying to get something out of us, and then we're we're the last person in the chain, right. and we're like we're we're freaking out. We don't know how things are working. I don't out. know if
1: you've seen Tarzan, the yes. movie, the recent movie with a great movie with Alexander Skarsgård and 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 um, Samuel L. Jackson. He, Samuel L. Jackson is the only actor that can, in a year time, play a conservationist in Tarzan and then play a guy that wants to kill. King Kong six months later in Kong. Um, he just He's an amazing actor. He can do anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, in that movie, you see at some point where he's protecting his wife from a very violent gorilla, and a gorilla's beating the crap out of him and almost kills him. That's kind of what session directors are. You're the, <laughs> we're over you, and we're like, it's not going to kill us, but it, damn, it's going to come close. Yeah, But we're strong enough, and trust me, we'll protect you. Um, I've had actors sometimes come in there and just get brutalized by directors and I can't say anything to protect them in the room because I'm not allowed to but I'll walk outside as soon as the audition's over and I give them a hug and I go man this is just a gig and that's a crazy person you know that's nice that you do that because well everybody should I mean mean, I'm not the only one that does that most session directors and I'll drop names left and right Colin Sweeney did this one time uh, great actor great human Um, an actor was just getting brutalized and he was in there with me and he, he just walked out and he was just like hey man Let's just make this actor feel like it's going to be okay. And I, I I never stopped learning that lesson. And for Colin, I was always thankful for his humanity because he's like this big, huge guy, like a bear. But he, he hugs you like you know the most tender thing in the world. And you have to have compassion for the actor. You have to have compassion for the crazy director too because you never know what's going on in their mind and what kind of pressures they're dealing with. But it's never okay to yell at someone in a room and make them feel bad. Mm-mm. And sometimes that happens, and I'm sorry that that happens. And... You have to know from my perspective and other perspectives, we never want you to get yelled at. We never want anything bad to happen. We literally want the day to go by perfectly and quickly so we can get the hell out of that room because it's caustic and acidic at times. Yeah, It's toxic. It's terrible. Um, Not all people – it's gotten better with younger ad agency people actually I've seen. The older school people, very brutal, Mm -hmm. terrible. They're looking for things to just rip you apart on. I always tell actors, don't give them things to hate you for because they're already trying to find those things the second you walk in the room. And just be tough. Yeah. Be a wolf.
0: Definitely. And at the end of this whole process, whenever someone is chosen, is that where your job
1: ends and you're moving on to the next mm. audition? Or They make their choices, and I have to do what's called an edit. And the edit can be very specific at times, down to actual time codes, which is so much fun at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> particularly with a weird internet and LA casting for some reason deciding because LA casting usually never wants to work at three in the morning because they're always taking it down for maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I get that, but man, that one time I needed that thing to load, I really didn't need maintenance. Um, but that aside, they do great work. Ryan, everybody at LA casting, you, this business wouldn't work without the technological advancements, by the mm-hmm. way, because it used to take three days to do this, three days to do that. Then I'd have to be on like a deck with like VHS tapes and like doing the whole like seventies thing which was fun. And then I had to like make it all go on a tape or a DVD. And then I had to ship it out, triple ship outs. We had to have these duplicators, these giant DVD duplicators back in the day. It's so technology's made a lot better. But I will edit your performances, I'll create links. Those links are then emailed out to the client and then they will make their choices. And sometimes, most of the time, they're not happy and so I have to go and re-edit. And I have to find other actors. And then sometimes we have to have an additional callback day. Where people come in and you've been to this where it's direct a call back mm-hmm. and it's three days later and always say, well, we've already had a callback. We've already made choices and now we, here we are. So the good news is you get a chance. The bad news is they're kind of confused. Right. So and mean, There's more pressure there because you're thinking,
0: okay, well, I need to – but at the end of the day, they shouldn't be scared. They should be honored that they – Don't know, ever
1: look at it as something to be scared. Mm-hmm. Don't ever look at it as something other
0: than an opportunity. That's right. It's just one more opportunity to get, your, to get yourself in front of you them. You get to
1: be the hero. Yeah, you get to be the you get to be the prince charming that comes in and saves the day. Right,
0: you're like, all right, here I am. Let's let's. Or make the Cinderella, the
1: women usually save the day more than male actors. Just so you know, cause, just because they're patient and they're on time, women are always more on time than men. I love that you say that. I love that. I I totally agree. I, I feel drives me like insane. Women are way more
0: patient and they they listen. And that's great because I feel like some, sometimes the auditions that I've been to where I'm working with other actors or I'm out sitting outside with other actors, they're just so into themselves and in a zone
1: and they just kind of treat people weird. And it's just like, look, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> look, we got to have some compassion for our young men out there just because we don't know what to be anymore. Mm-hmm. Be sensitive, be loving, but then be a real man. Well, what is it? You know, So you young guys, I try to always mentor you and just be authentic. hmm don't try to be something you think you're supposed to be. Right. A tree doesn't go, man, I'm feeling good about being a tree, but maybe I should be a bush. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's confusing. No, it's like you're a tree. tree. Just keep growing and you'll get there. Yeah. A wolf doesn't go, man, I feel like maybe I'm a mountain lion. Am I a mountain lion? No, you're a wolf. Nope. And that doesn't mean, obviously, I want to be sensitive to our LGBTQ community in the sense that, yes, there are times when we do feel like we're trapped in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. But we're all humans. We don't feel like we're not human. Right. We just feel like we're the slightly wrong version of our ultimate human self. And so just be human. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't try
0: to be something you're not. Just come in and be yourself. And at the end of the day, that is all that's going to matter. Because you don't want to come in trying to be someone else or trying to be a certain vision that you think that they might want to see. Because at the end of the day, that might not be what they want to see. Be yourself. Be a clean slate. And they can...
1: Things out of you. I tell every actor, if you want to get better as an actor, just go worship at the feet of Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> just go watch anything he does, particularly as he's gotten older. The work is still compelling. The only reason Westworld was compelling was because of him. Without him, it's just sort of a sci-fi robot movie or TV show. But with him, it became human. It became real because he wasn't trying to be something other than just who he is. Mm-hmm. And so... The best commercial actors, the best film actors, are just themselves. Definitely. I love that. Um, I want to move on to a segment called What is Happening
0: in This Photo? Uh, some of the funny photos that you've sent <laughs> me. I was like, I have to make this segment because there's, there's so many different things going on. So first photo I want to go with is this photo with you and the actor
1: from American Horror Story. Um, so what was going on this day? Well, this day we were obviously casting elves for a Christmas spot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I feel bad for a lot of our... Um, Our our, our smaller community, our small people community, because they usually just get thrust into the weirdo stuff. I'm so thankful for Peter Dinklage. I'm so thankful for him. You know, and I know he died tragically and it was sad, but he lived life in a way that I haven't lived my life yet, which is to the fullest. I'm just going to be me. And I took that picture going, I love you, man. I get this moment for the rest of my life and I'm so thankful and it wasn't three months later he was gone wow but he taught me a lot he taught me a lot about compassion patience and we all matter not just the ones that look like me
0: you know I love that and I think he was a great actor and what happened was very tragic but you can just see the happiness in this photo and it's just he really does every time I've seen photos of him or anything he just seems he was always living life to the fullest he was my bro
1: he was my bro man I wouldn't let I, I really got upset when they would try to do spots where they would kind of manipulate him in a way that made it sort of making fun of him and so i always said we're going to treat him with respect in my room and i'm going to voice whatever i feel i don't like and thankfully it never was exploitative they never chose him for these things because they know he had a condition and they just didn't want to make it this and he was just coming out because he was always happy to audition didn't matter if he was an american horror story or an iconic figure he was just happy that's awesome uh he's so awesome um the next photo that we have what's going on here this is mickey uh, most of you guys don't know who Mickey is. He was a drummer for the uh, for the new oh, – well, it wasn't the new edition. It was for the um, – it was for the Kenny Rogers band back in the day, something it, something edition. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But he was the drummer, and he was the drummer with Kenny Rogers when he, he became just Kenny Rogers. But he was also this guy that would be ubiquitous biker guy in everything you ever saw, a southern accent, sweetheart, heart of gold. I said, dude, my dad – You know, took me to a Kenny Rogers concert when I was like eight and you were there drumming and he just said that's one of the best drummers ever live and (laughs) and we took the picture and my dad was still alive at the time and he's got a kick out of that picture but Mickey was just, Mickey, you know you meet people like that, I don't want to take pictures with famous people, I want to take pictures with interesting people I like that and and Mickey and and my little man before, they're just interesting they weren't ego they weren't look at me, they were like I'm just going to be and you'll watch me I tell actors all the time, who cares if they like you? Just be interesting. They'll catch up.
0: Right. That is so true. Oh, I love like oh <laughs> I love this photo. Okay. So
1: this I'm guessing was a casting for a Scarecrow. It was actually for a Harry Potter thing. Really? It was for a wizard. And I at the time was training for a fifty mile marathon, so that's That's why, what's going that's on. That's why you the got attire. the guns, that's why you got the, the ripped body and, and the haughtiness I guess is you start feeling really cocky when you can run 12 miles a day and you're in your 40s but I you know I just we had fun this is Francine's office and I just felt like you know a lot of times you guys think that we're just sort of people in an office and we're just trying to make everybody's life miserable and keep them out and not let them be happy and fun and we're all just creators that just found each other and help each other make money a little bit and also try to create a magic and and we get to have moments like this we just kind of laugh about it I, I was being a wizard yes you
0: were I love that and the next one that we have is um, you said this guy was like a
1: he was a famous 70s like cop in a film that was iconic it was uh, Airplane and oh, okay. he's the jive guy and so when you watch Airplane and you see the two guys talking jive with the mother from uh, Leave it to Beaver he's one of the guys talking jive And he did. He just recreated it for us in that moment. And I just like, man, that movie changed so many people's lives. We felt like we can be that way in a movie. We can have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar curse and make fun of things. And we're like, it was just, it was a paradigm breaker. Mm -hmm. You know, up until that time, we didn't know that we could make fun of Jive with the Beeb's mom and you know nuns in the specter of a plane crash. You know, Shirley, you must be joking. No, I'm not. And don't call me Shirley. So. I just had to take that moment because these guys end up having lives after these things. We feel like they go off into some sort of magical movie warehouse or some magical movie you know, retirement home and they don't. They have to work. And when they work, I give them the same respect I give any actor but I also want to acknowledge what greatness that they did in their life and let them know that I know that. Right. And hopefully now... You guys watch this and you'll go Google that or go watch Airplane and you'll give him energy and love and maybe he'll get a residual check that he wasn't expecting that'll pay for some things to lighten his day. So that's why I included this picture.
0: I love that. I love that. And seeing that little video that you had sent me, I thought that was so funny and he yeah. just seemed to kind of light up whenever you asked him to recreate that. Um I we're know all we... little kids wanting to be get, be loved. Yes, exactly. Everyone wants love and deserves it. Um, okay, so we're going to have to wrap here in a little bit, but before we go, I really do want to ask you um, you call yourself the wolf. Mm. I want to know, what is your work with wolves?
1: Uh, for about the past year and a half, thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, for about the past year and a half, I've worked at a place called Wolf Connection up in Palmdale. Wolf, wolfconnection.org, if you look it up. And they rescue what we have to call them wolf dogs, but a lot of them are pretty high-content wolves. And the others are actual just people. They uh, People have such an ego desire to be associated with a wolf. And usually what you'll find is areas like Texas. <laughs> Or Oregon or places that are a little more what I call on the fringe where people identify with nature and they're very, very um, primal in many ways, which I identify with because I get primal at times. But they get these animals and they'll get a wolf dog and they don't know what a wolf is. They don't know what a wolf dog is. And they don't know that these are ancient creatures that have the bite strength twice that of a German shepherd mm-hmm. and they attach to you 50,000 times stronger than the average pet. And so when your little child comes in, they want to kill it because it's a threat. Mm-hmm. So long story endless this place exists to help rehabilitate those animals and those animals also help rehabilitate at-risk youth kids that are addicted to drugs who are in the system who are in jail we have a great story this kid who was basically a feral child between the ages of two and four living homeless down on skid row and was in the system addicted to drugs uh all that and we brought him there and now he's gonna get his college degree and all came from the power of wolves. Wow. so You know, Part of what I'm trying to do is I want to create awareness to save the wolf. The wolf is under a lot of attack in states like Wyoming and Oregon and places where they're literally able to shoot wolf pups as they sleep. And so I want to create awareness and start a movement. And my name literally means leader of wolves. Randall from the Celtic means leader of wolves or wolf leader. And so that's where the name wolf leader ran, came from, and, and progressive wolf. And I identify strongly with the animals. I have a very close personal relationship with a lot of them. And I want to be able to create a, a refuge, hopefully in Canada someday, in the BC area, where we rehabilitate wolves, but also help rehabilitate humans with the wolf power and spirituality and, and nature. And so if I can teach you guys how to be really good actors and good citizens and you can go out and create things, just always have the intention behind it to make sure that you're taking care of those things that can't defend themselves, those things that don't have a voice, those things that we need just as much as we need each other. Mm-hmm. And wolves pretty much domesticated us. We didn't domesticate them They got us to come out of trees as monkeys and to organize as families because we saw them organize as packs and families and how successful they were. And we had a very symbiotic and connected relationship for a long time until technology came along and turned us into, well, not connected. Yeah. So My goal as the wolf is to help you be connected, but as an actor and as an artist is to know that you matter, that you're powerful, that you're a genius, that you're a mess sometimes, and that's okay. And that you'll always have a wolf here to protect you even when you have those problems and even when you're afraid. Just always look to to people like us to protect you and help you because we will. And there are a lot of great people in this business, not just me. Um, and I learned from them, and they learned from me, hopefully, and hopefully now Dakota, young pup, the That's wolf right. pup that you are. <laughs> uh, you have a great name for a wolf. Thank you. Thank so you so much. you'll pass this on someday, and when I'm an old man, you'll look back and go, I know he's crazy and old now, but you know he helped me out. So That's awesome. If That's you guys cool. ever need any help at Progressive Wolf or at I Am The Rand Man, you can find me on Facebook at Randall Sims. But Most of my Facebook stuff is kind of not really where I'm at anymore, although I do have a Facebook page called The Wolf. If you go to Facebook and you look up The Wolf as a fan page or whatever they call those things, uh, you can come check out The Wolf and there's videos and footage and you can come hang out with The Wolf. And you can always go to wolfconnection.org and we have weekly, I mean monthly hikes that you can be a part of, community hike. Come out and join it. Maybe you can sponsor a wolf. Maybe you can help a kid who's a little scared just like you, but in different ways. I love that. Very well said. And thank you so, so much for joining me. I
0: really appreciate you sitting down with me and kind of letting me pick your brain a little bit. That's been awesome. So, and you guys can also find me everywhere at Mr. Dakota T. Jones on all social media platforms. And thank you again. This guy. Thank you. This guy. (laughs) All right, guys, have a great day. We will see you next week.
1: Bye. Namaste. Producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network.